0: Once again, fans, and welcome to another edition of the CIAC cast. Been a little quiet here in the CIAC headquarters with the summer well underway, but we hope you're enjoying a little time off, getting ready for the upcoming fall season, and we are back to provide you with a little bit of content here on the CIAC cast. As always, I'm Joel Cookson. Very happy to have you along with us for this edition. What's a little bit of a different edition of the CIAC cast, as we've got just one guest this week, and we'll get into who that is a little bit later on. But so we're very excited to be back after a a long break, and uh, let's dive quickly right in with our recurring feature of things you might have missed on CIACsports.com. Uh just some sort of news and notes on com right now we redesigned a little bit the tournament central section which i uh, hope folks will enjoy be able to find all the things they're looking for all of the fall tournament packets have been posted at the tournament central page on ciac sports.com so encourage you to check those out along with all of the championship dates for the fall uh upcoming fall championships which we are very much looking forward to looking forward to getting the season underway also on the cicsports.com we've got the latest uh, a version of the ciac man handbook is uh now online so certainly encourage folks to uh to peruse that it's a bit of a uh, a bit of an overwhelming document at times but certainly a lot of uh, interesting information in there if you're curious or looking for specific uh rulings or guidelines that's the uh, that's a place to go we've got a big edition of linked up that had been building in my inbox for several weeks worth of uh of links there and that uh that new linked up. That was posted a little over, maybe, well, about two weeks or so ago. Uh, and then a few other just bits of news and notes from the CIAC office. So a little bit of quiet there at CIACsports.com, but again, lots of good stuff to catch up on. One thing I did want to point out on the Tournament Central page, uh, we've got a, um, a new link on the right side, and we've talked about this before here on Cast, but uh, it's got easy links now to sign up for text or email updates for your favorite sport, your favorite, uh, it tends to be most used for tournament information, but if you know you're going to be looking for tournament scores and results and brackets and things from a specific tournament, this is an easy uh, time to find that on the CIC Sports Tournament Central page, so hope you'll check that out. We hope to be having a few other features and other things on CICsports.com as we roll towards the fall season. Hoping to do a wrap-up from some of the great action from the NFHS Network from this past year, where we, I believe I last counted, we did about 140 tournament games were available uh, on the NFHS Network from this past season. So a remarkable uh, amount of coverage there if you're looking for specific things. And we hope to, uh, as I said, have a little bit of a feature there for you as well. Moving forward, got a couple other things on the hopper for uh, the coming weeks. So be sure to check out at CIAC Sports. That's our Twitter account. And that is where you can always find up to date information. And uh, anytime we post something new also on Facebook, facebook.com slash CIAC Sports. That's where we will post uh, all of the new things that we post here on CIACsports.com. So hope you will uh, keep that in mind. Keep checking us out during the summer. We know we're excited to get underway. And uh, we also know that uh, often during the the podcast at this time, I give you a little message from our friends at the uh, Connecticut Department of Transportation about uh, distracted driving. driving. And, and while that's certainly relevant, i also like to pass along this note from our, our, our good friends, friends at the Department of Transportation that drunk driving continues to take care toll on the nation claiming about 10,000 lives each year. In 2011 alone, there were 9,878 fatalities on America's highways in which drunk drivers or motorcycle riders were involved. That works out to about an average of one fatality every 53 minutes. Athletes, fans, and families, please always designate a sober driver to stay safe on the road. So we hope you take that message to heart this summer. Always have that designated driver wherever you are, whatever you're doing, uh, to make sure that you're traveling safely. With that said, we're going to get to our guest for this week. And we actually recorded this interview uh, a few weeks ago, and we've been dealing with some technical issues with it. So uh, the the audio at times gets a little bouncy uh, during the interview, but we hope you'll stick with it. It does improve as you go through. Uh, but our guest this week is John Reeves, who uh, for high school sports fans in Connecticut, you may not know that name. In fact, you probably don't know that name. Uh, but quite frankly, uh, we're going a little bit different with our podcast guest this week. John Reeves was my former boss at my uh, previous stop of employment. He is a long-time college athletics administrator and coach, uh, and just someone that I love talking about sports with, and sort of the the culture of sports and some of the issues that uh, that might be arising uh, in the high school ranks or in the college ranks, or just athletics in general. So, with the summer a little bit slower, we wanted to try something a little bit different for the CIAC cast. This one gets a little more informal than some of our other interviews. We we kind of bounce around a little bit. We uh, we meander off topic at times, but. Uh, just a, I love talking to John Reeves, and I thought it would be something that uh, listeners and fans would be find interesting, and he certainly brings a, a load of perspective. John was a, a coach, a boy, men's soccer coach and athletic director at Drew University, a Division III school uh, in New Jersey for a number of years. He then moved on to be the athletics director at the University of Rochester, also a Division III school uh, in upstate New York. From there, he went to uh, Stony Brook University, uh, part of the the state. University of New York system as they trans, uh, as they moved from a Division three actually, to a Division I program as the Athletics Director, and then he closed his career with a long tenure as the Athletics Director at Columbia University in the Ivy League. Uh, Yale fans, obviously, are familiar with them, and uh, spent a lot of time as the Athletics Director uh, there as well. So, brings a lot of perspective, brings a lot of interesting insight, and I just uh, think he's a fascinating guy to talk to. So, thought that you would enjoy this, so here now are my conversation with John. Reeves just kind of as a you know as a long time person involved with athletics at the at the college collegiate level uh more than the high school level but I, I think the 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 question is still relevant uh regardless is for from your perspective what do you see as the benefits of athletic competition for young people students student athletes what what do you see as the benefits
1: I have a I have a canned answer for that and I I believe it, uh, uh, and that is: it's social, emotional, physical, psychological, intellectual. Uh, all of all of those uh, components uh, are enhanced as a result of uh, athletic uh, competition. And if you know you'd like me to expand on any one of those or all of them, I will. But social, emotional, physical. Psychological and intellectual.
0: I'll, I'll ask you to expand only in the sense that I'm curious. Sort of, is that I'm curious how you kind of got to those, you know, those ones as sort of the, you know, th- that those were the the things that that kind of jumped out. Was that sort of you you d- developed that over time, or that sort of always was your suspicion, and then it was proved, you know, proved to be true? Uh, I'm just kind of I'm curious, sort of, in how you came to see that those were the areas that uh... that benefit students
1: I, I think this touches on uh... The, the difference in the uh... educational process for folks in physical education and athletics uh... at the time that i was coming through and that time is from the sixties from the very early sixties uh... to be specific uh... it even goes before nineteen fifty six when i entered college uh, all the way up till today, uh, when we were being educated to be physical educators and uh, mainly, and uh, athletic coaches and administrators somewhat secondarily, uh, the literature and uh, the uh, seminar discussions uh, we would often uh, ponder, "Okay, what is this all about? How do we justify what we 're doing in the physical education class and on the athletic field and uh, the components that I mentioned were the ones that came to the surface mm-hmm. and and i I, I believed them, and then uh, given my own limited participation and then uh, my interaction with Students, mostly student athletes, in the coaching uh, uh, arena—you know—certainly fortified this. You, you could, you could, you could see these components being developed.
0: So, as a, you know, I know obviously uh, your background, both in coaching and, and as a and as an educator, um, did, was that something that you, um, I guess, took to heart. As a coach, obviously, you know, you're as competitive of a a person as I think I've ever met, but, uh, you know, I know, I guess I'm curious was, was, did you try to make a point to also along with wins and losses sort of, you know, push and coach and teach in a way that would develop those, uh, you know, those other areas? And if so, sort of what was your kind of, what were some of your strategies, I guess, to sort of, to, to influence those particular areas as well?
1: To, to be honest, Joel, um, I never really, f- when I was coaching, let's go back to coaching, I, was, I never really focused, and that was 20 years of my career, uh, I never really focused on uh, those attributes. I focused more on preparing a team that could win uh, within the rules and uh, with pride and it's it's only in retrospect, looking back and feeding off the feedback, if you will, from my former players, that I realize, and I hope this doesn't sound too self serving but I, I just want to answer your question. I realize that intentionally or unintentionally, uh, I was somewhat successful in developing. Those attributes in the young people that I worked with. One prime example is in in uh, October we'll be celebrating the 45th anniversary of a uh, un, undefeated team that I was fortunate enough to be associated with in soccer in 1969. It'll be the 45th anniversary, and as, as I as I have dialogue with those players, it it just comes across that they did develop a moral compass, if you will. And they attribute a lot of that, I have to say, with all humility to the experiences that they had on the soccer field. Mm -hmm. So I I think professionals underestimate the tremendous uh, impact that they have upon young people, for better or for worse. And, And I'm... I'm proud to say that, uh, uh, in my case, the feedback is that it was for better, and I, I think that was because I was brought up uh, with a moral compass and knew the difference between right and wrong, and uh, attempted to um, uh, portray that on the athletic field. But don't make a mistake, my main object when I was coaching was to not lose, Sure, uh, <laughs> and uh uh, and the other things were all a bit of an aside, but fortunately it worked out for the best.
0: Yeah, um, it's an interesting, and I and I think that's one way that um, you know that maybe we do see a little bit of a difference between you know coaching at the at the collegiate level and and from our perspective, hopefully, coaching at the high school level, where maybe at the high school level, the winning is a byproduct rather than maybe the focus. But that's you know a, a discussion. For another day, perhaps. Or uh, I saw an interesting presentation on that at our uh, our national convention last week, um, talking about sort of the the education based athletics, which is what we uh, strive for uh, within our association, and and that the the phrase that that uh, struck me was that the win is not our purpose; education is our purpose, and the win should come as a result of educating both in terms of skill and in terms of uh, you know in other areas, which I just thought was an interesting, uh, you know, an interesting perspective, uh, certainly on kind of the the process of coaching. Is that something in in retrospect? Do you think you would, not that you would focus on winning less, uh, but in retrospect, do you think you would have focused on development, you know, or some of that other development more or maybe changed your approach in some way, kind of having uh, the benefit of of time looking back? Uh,
1: uh, that's, That's good, Joel. And I, I would have gone in this direction if you didn't ask me to, and and that is, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I, I, again, I don't want to appear like, a, hey, I did things right. There are a heck of a lot of things I did wrong, but uh, we were educated back in the late '50s and early '60s. We were not, we were not ordained to be athletic coaches. We were educated in the area of uh, physiology, anatomy, biology, psychology, mm-hmm. which, I think, which I think we're missing a little bit today, child development and, and personality development. We were really educationally based. At that time, more than now, But I think if we look at what's going on in, in uh, Division One athletics, uh, we 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 try to say it's integral to the total educational process. But we've lost a lot of that focus. Mm-hmm. So that when we were developed as physical educators first, and maybe lucky enough to get into athletics and administration, our whole emphasis was on educating. A human being, much, much in the way that uh, uh, John Wooden is given credit for. I'm not sure that he deserves all the credit that he is given. Uh, but when when you're successful, you certainly uh, have a lot of bouquets sent your way, sure. and some of them are deserved, some of them aren't. And the fellow whose name you'll remind me of a minute, uh, in a minute, at at Princeton, uh, who put education absolutely first.
0: Carell, I think. Hey, Carell. Thank you so much. For. You're welcome. That's what yeah. I'm. I'm your. I'm your fact checker. We we, know I got that. You. <laughs> we established that over uh, <laughs> the history of our uh, our uh, our partnership here. Um, sort of changing directions a little bit. Um, uh, but I think it, it kind of goes into, uh, sort of the same way in in terms of, you know, coaching and and approaches to coaching. Um, and I know obviously as we said that the the coaching was just a a percentage of your uh your career, but. Uh, I think it's an interesting thing to hit on um in our time uh working together we we talked a lot and we we hopefully worked a lot towards uh sportsmanship uh challenges and issues um and obviously that's something that's you know a, a challenge at, at every level of uh of athletic competition and I think we we see stories and we read stories that it's a challenge but like I said it, at all levels and in all sports it's not uh you know it's not restricted to football or basketball or whatever. Um, interested for your opinion on how, how the sort of sportsmanship of a team uh, or of a school or of a, you know, student section or, or, or sort of the, the overall sportsmanship of a, of a program is dictated by behavior of coaches. Uh, I know that's something we've talked about and uh, I'd just like to hear your, uh, your perspective on that.
1: Student athlete behavior is a reflection of the coach's behavior. Uh, I don't think I could say it more concisely than that. And it, it's not something that the coach can even develop or play act. The coach is either that way or the coach is not. And always, when you see a team that's displaying poor sportsmanship, especially at the lower levels, the, the high school, and Division three athletics, uh, what you see on the field is a mirror image of the culture relative to sportsmanship that the coach is demonstrating day after day after day. Going back to what I said a little bit earlier, um, the, coach, the coach can't fake it. The, the coach... Either has integrity and believes in sportsmanship and wants to win with dignity, or doesn't. And I'm going to stand a little bit further. I was I was a little surprised when you said that at the high school level there's less emphasis on winning. And people often say in Division Three there's less emphasis on winning. I I, I disagree with that. I, I think that winning Is the culmination of doing things right from a technical and a tactical point of view and just as a heart surgeon uh, wants to win every encounter that he has with a patient a coach uh, in the best interest of the students who are competing wants to win and it's okay to lose and it's okay to win as long as you do both with dignity. And I'm gonna I'm gonna ramble on a little bit further. That's okay. Uh perhaps a lot of your perhaps a lot of your listeners just enjoyed the tremendous experience that I did of uh just soaking up almost every minute of the World Cup. Of course I can afford to do it because I'm retired. Most people couldn't. But we we tend to think about the Suarez bite and the uh the broken vertebrae uh, on in the body of uh, Neymar, mm-hmm. but but I saw I saw many more manifestations of good sportsmanship. How many times did you see a player from one team uh, pat another player from a different uh, team? on the back of the head as they were coming out of the tunnel? Mm-hmm. Or how often did you see a Greek player, and I, I thought the Greeks showed a tremendous amount of sportsmanship, uh, lift up a player who had been inadvertently or perhaps uh, violently tackled? I saw an awful lot of that. And, and this, this World Cup, I think, brought the best out of uh, humanity and sport and the worst out of humanity in sport, but let's not lose sight of all the good that we saw. We were talking about the uh, German goalkeeper who at the end of the game punched out perhaps uh, a game-tying uh, ball and then immediately attempted with, with sincere compassion to console the player who he had just bested on the field uh we 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 do see a lot of that and uh, uh i'll stop
0: there no i think that's uh, i think that's uh, well said and uh yeah no it's certainly the the world cup you know soccer uh for two fans of soccer such as you and i uh you know i think we see the the positives you know it's obviously people i i think as they become more familiar with the game that you know there's the the mocking occasionally of the diving and that sort of thing, which is, you know, certainly would be considered, I would think unsportsmanlike behavior, but, uh, I think it is more often than not drowned out by the, the positives. And I, I do think this was a particularly, as you said, a particularly positive display of, uh, of sportsmanship, uh, uh, at the world cup this year. So no, I, uh, and, I appreciate and, your, your opinion on and, that.
1: And thank goodness, you know, I was, uh, have a little bit more time to Read the New York Times these days, uh, but uh, I was really impressed by the article that uh, applauded the United States players because it's not within their culture to dive. They 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 feel it's thia- theatrical and and unsportsmanlike, and and in spite of the fact that it may put them at a disadvantage on occasion, uh, they refuse to do it. And I think that's kudos to. To our country
0: yeah no, and it's interesting i I can speak to having seen some you know it, it to to speak to your point sort of about how the the sportsmanship of the coach so greatly influences the sportsmanship of uh of his of his players I've seen a little bit firsthand watching some high school soccer, you know how the I think watching the world cup and and seeing seeing the the success at times unfortunately that players have with diving I think it you know it influences the younger you know younger players it it becomes it's unfortunately becomes a a more accepted practice than at all levels than than I think the soccer would like so I do think that's a a challenge but that's a you know again a a conversation for a different day and we'll you and I can debate uh, the the focus of winning at the high school level some other time as well. But, yes, uh,
1: <laughs> yes, okay. okay. Um, I, I, I just don't believe it, Joel. <laughs> I, no, I I, believe I, every, I... I believe everybody wants to win, but it is a conversation for another time.
0: Oh, I think I, I think the, the what maybe I didn't articulate was that at the high school level, I certainly think everybody wants to win, that at the high school level at least, if if we're being honest about our mission, that shouldn't be the focus it can i think it can still end up being the end result and i think the point is too often it is the focus and and then you question whether or not you're developing that other you know those other areas as as well as you should at the at the high school level but that's again a. uh uh a divergent path, a little bit from uh, from some of my questions for you. So I'll... I'm
1: I'm sure after a while, based on past experiences, you will convince me.
0: <laughs> that seems unlikely. Um, so uh, what did I want to ask you about? How about um, this is just sort of a a a trait or, or a question uh, from your years, both coaching and then it, you know sort of observing athletes. Um, as an administrator an athletics director, uh, what were some of the, this is just sort of a a strange question, but just one that that jumped to mind for, for kids who, uh, you know, may have aspirations or want to understand what, uh, you know, what really can help them excel as athletes. But what are some of the sort of, um, qualities or traits that, that you look for as a coach or that you saw as an administrator that, that sort of, were common among standout athletes?
1: I don't, know, I don't know whether it's a trait, Joel, but you, you can almost see in an athlete's eyes if they're, if they're focused and they're committed and they're motivated and they're instilled with the will to be the best that they can possibly be. And uh, it, it's, it, it's hard to pin down but in in my opinion that intangible uh separates the fine athlete from the modest athlete. Mm-hmm. It's it's motivation and it's focus and it's a will to to improve.
0: Yeah, no, that certainly makes sense to me. Um
1: and, and that and that and that 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 extends to diet it extends to weight room activity it it extends to off season uh solo participation um, it's just a an intangible that that guides an athlete to be as good as he or she can possibly be
0: sure yeah well that uh that kind of dove uh you you're see you 're just such a natural at this it goes right into another question that uh that uh, I was interested in, in getting your opinion on. Um, you know, one of the things particularly again at the high school level, um, that, that at times concerns state associations and I know concerns schools to some degree, um, is athlete specialization, you know, uh, kids Mm -hmm. who, who don't play more than one sport and who play a sport, you know, essentially year round, uh, beginning at a, at a young age. Um, I know obviously as a coach, It probably particularly, again, a coach at the collegiate level, um, you know, was not something that you was probably something that you um, admired and, and, you know, almost wanted out of your your athletes. But I'm sort of curious for your take on. Uh, just kind of the trend of increased sports specialization, particularly uh, you know, sort of at at a younger age. I know you have uh, have grandchildren who are uh, who are competing in sports, and and maybe sure just do. things you've seen from them, or or just sort of your your impression as someone who's been involved sure with athletics do. for a long time about the the sort of nature of sports specialization and uh, and and where it you know leaves the kids.
1: Sure, uh, it's a vicious. It's a vicious cycle. Uh, it, it's, it's neat to say, boy, we would like to see people grow up the way I did uh, and extends not just to sport but to free play. We didn't have to be in summer camps uh, all year. We, did, we, we didn't have to go to have every minute of our time consumed with some activity. We could go in the woods with a bunch of friends and have a ball. We weren't worried about the... Uh, uh, derelicts and, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we were freer. And I look at my, thanks for bringing up my grandchildren, I have six grandchildren who make me a, a rich man. And uh, when I said it's a vicious cycle, is yeah, ideally you'd like to the year of uh, social activity and they came back uh, to soccer practice uh, in early September. Mm-hmm. uh refreshed and ready to go with that sport and it was wonderful but Joel I'm afraid those days are gone forever uh I see it with my grandkids you know they all started playing soccer baseball and swimming uh and now with the travel teams and the elite teams and they're not even one's not even in high school yet uh, it's gotten to the point where if he wants to compete and he wants to excel and he wants to really be good at the sport, it's almost essential that he focus on that sport all year round. And I, I, I hate to say this, but this has become the new reality. If you don't, you fall behind. And if you fall behind, then perhaps you lose some of the social, emotional, psychological, intellectual, and physical benefits derived from sport because eventually you're left out.
0: Yeah, no, it's certainly, a, it's a challenge. And, and you know, from our, our perspective, obviously, we we love to see, you know, students and, uh, you know, who are encouraged and, you know, but like you said, it's it's a challenge because you don't want to miss an opportunity. You know, it's easy for the, the kid who's exceptionally talented maybe to, to take that extra, you know, play that extra sport in another season yep. cuz he's not going to yep. fall behind on the soccer field or the baseball field, but uh.
1: yeah, the the gifted athlete can do it. The the really gifted athlete can do it and perhaps even still benefit from it. And I I, I apologize for cutting you off, but I did have a a point I wanted to make. Mm-hmm. As, as I look at the kids growing up and, and again, you know, those that are close to me, uh it's their parents more than it's than it's uh Their interest to focus and excel. The parents, in 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 my uh, experience, are worse than uh, the young adults. Yeah, as far as as far as specialization, because and a lot of them are are uh, preparing the child for that elusive scholarship.
0: Sure,
1: Uh, and it's so so unrealistic. To make that the focus of your participation,
0: yeah, no, I think that that's you know that's that maybe the message that i mean and obviously it's a great message to hear that how how challenging it is, but also you know the idea that you know even maybe if you don't specialize at a young age you'll you'll still be good enough to to play on your high school team and and yes, maybe you have the, the 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 scholarship might be out of reach or the the college you know the division three experience. Might be out of reach, but you're going to be a much, you know, more well-rounded and and hopefully, uh, you know, happy, uh, happy kid uh, growing yeah. up if you get all those different experiences. I, I encourage our uh, our uh, listeners. There was a great article in the the Hartford Current uh, that named their their male and female athlete of the year, and uh, the the encouraging part to me was the young lady who was. Uh, named the athlete, had grown up playing basketball, had been an all season, all year round basketball player. And her father said, you know, this is enough. Let's try something else. You know, you can all, you can still play basketball, but play something else in, a, in another season. And she moved to volleyball and uh, ended up winning state championships with her high school volleyball team as well. So uh, obviously, again, that's a case of, a, of an exceptional athlete. But uh, I, I think those experiences are, are worth sharing. Um,
1: Philosophically, philosophically, we agree totally, and I would rather err on the side uh, as a as a. I think you're trying to give the message to high schoolers uh, to experience uh, various uh, endeavors, Uh, but then again, it it takes various student athletes, various student parents to decide. Okay. When, if ever, yeah, is it time to specialize? Sure. If you, if you want to go further with with the participation.
0: Yeah. No. That's and I think that's the challenge. Is, is a lot of parents and uh, and and uh, as as a parent of a, of a young one who obviously is, is nowhere near uh, athletic age. But you, you just and maybe this is a question for you as someone who you know has who's seeing seeing it as a as a um, as a grand grandfather now. Um, you know when parents i guess my question would be if you were a parent at this in this era or if your son or daughter asked you for your opinion who would you you know, who would you use as sort of an unbiased entity to, you know, if you're a parent to seek guidance? I guess that's my question: is where where do you think parents could find guidance uh, on an issue like that? Because I, I think there's there's a fear that any coach that they might ask, you know, is going to maybe not speak out of the best interest of the of the kid necessarily, um, but might speak out of their own interest. So I'm just curious, you know, where would you seek? Where would you look for an unbiased opinion? Uh, if parents are trying to make those decisions?
1: Boy, I'll tell you, you you, you came up with one that I'm not sure I can answer, but I'm going to give it a shot. (laughs) I'm going to give it a shot and uh, say that even though I was totally embedded in the athletic arena, I never once, when my kids were growing up, um, tried to... In, well, first of all, as a fan, as, as a spectator, I would always sit on the other side of the field if it were possible. Mm-hmm. I wanted to stay as far away from the uh, parents' opinions as I could possibly be, and just wanted to objectively watch. Uh, my son, who is an athlete, played baseball and played soccer.
0: you came up with that answer without uh, without having any uh having thought about it before so we uh, yeah I was,
1: gonna, I was gonna i was gonna say you know i i, I again um, well let me just say it i i think that i uh, was a terrible athlete myself <laughs> uh was was very fortunate to uh have rich experiences in in coaching and administration but I I think maybe because I wasn't a real good athlete, I think I had a a genuine, um, unbiased approach to it. And, And if I see natural talent in someone and I really think that they can go someplace, you know, hey, play on the professional level, then by all means I would encourage that individual to go for it and not switch on and off sports. However, for 99.8% of the athletes, uh, my advice would be to not get so absorbed in a sport that you give everything else up in your life.
0: Yeah. Um, One sort of last, uh, at least last of the the things that I've written down, Um, questions for you. And I know... uh, I saw this. There was a report that gained a a fair amount of traction recently uh, online. uh, And I'm sure if you had seen it, and I don't know, maybe you did see it, uh, it would have warmed your heart, which was it was talking about how participation in athletics, a study showed uh, basically increased uh, a person's job prospects. Um, And I know that this is something you and I have have talked about before. And and, uh, I I remember a conversation you and I had where you specifically. you know, said that if you were in a position uh, hiring a candidate, hiring a candidate for any job, and you saw you're down to two candidates, and one of them had been an athlete at some level, and the other one had not, that you would uh, inevitably take the athlete. And I guess I just kind of wanted to ask you. I think it maybe probably goes back to the, my first question a little bit, but have you talk about sort of your reasoning on uh, on that regard and maybe what the a sort of athlete brings to the table in in your mind that uh, another someone else might not.
1: Whenever I give it, whenever I in the past have given talks at high school athletic banquets, my my focus was always on: Do you, as an athlete, realize how special you really are? Do you realize that you're uh, taking care of your academic work and you're taking care of uh, your other interests and you're also carving out an amount of time to develop yourself. I won't repeat uh, in 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 the uh, aspects of your life that are so important. Do you realize how, as you get to college, how special you are to handle uh, theoretically, I'm sorry, legally 20 hours, but actually probably 30 or 40 hours mm-hmm. of sport participation and still compete, we're talking about, Uh, legitimate athletic programs with the general student body. So I'll tell you what, if you end up with a B average at the end of college uh, and and I'm looking to hire somebody and I see that you also played uh, lacrosse uh, for Princeton, uh, I'm going to realize that that activity in that very emotionally colored environment has prepared you to handle stress. And challenges in later life, and yes, I'm going to pick you every day of the week over the straight A student who had no extracurricular activities or interests.
0: Well, yeah, and uh, yeah, we. Uh, I think it's a great. Uh, it's a great point, and I think you know, I think it. Uh, it tells athletes you know of any level um that they should uh should highlight what they've what they do as athletes that it shouldn't absolutely. be you know that it shouldn't be sort of a a footnote on a resume or or you know on a college application or uh, or anything like that that it should be a a highlight of uh of those things so um
1: absolutely don't you dare cower in the back of a classroom because you happen to be a a good football player don't you dare because you're a very very special person you've done something that uh the majority of the people cannot handle.
0: I think uh I think our disagreement on this when we talked about it before was my point that uh as a as a someone who hadn't competed in in college athletics that perhaps you wouldn't have hired me as you uh as you ultimately did. So uh that that I think was my only pushback when we uh when we discussed this uh Previously, but we'll uh, we'll we'll consider that as a, an oversight on your part and uh, a fortunate one that uh, worked out well for me. So
1: no, 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 no. I think we have to address that one. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I, I hired you because you had the confidence that was built up through athletic participation and other endeavors in your life. To and and athletics, in my opinion, in high school was a big part of this. You had the confidence to call me John the first time I uh, picked up the phone, and uh, I realized that here here is a man who has a degree of security and can compete in in uh again an emotionally colored environment and by that I mean you know in a in a history class it's it's not emotion but on a soccer high school soccer field, it is emotional, and it's a totally different test and developmental process. Well, so, no, no, you you need not <laughs> shrink back because you didn't play college soccer at all. You 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 went to a school that had a national champion on occasion, and you just weren't good enough.
0: That is certainly true, and we'll uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll attribute. Uh, <laughs>
1: At least, at least based on what you've told me. Yeah, I don't know.
0: No, that was uh, yeah, uh, the, the, the year but, I tried but, out, they were a, a formidable crew, and I was, but Joel, uh, I was overmatched.
1: But, but, uh, okay, but Joel, I have to tell you something. I viewed you playing the pickup games at the uh, Landmark Conference Student Athlete Advisory Committee meetings and playing football, lacrosse, or, I'm sorry, football, frisbee, or wherever it was, and you have... Athletic ability, so don't underestimate.
0: Yourself. <laughs> and this is the other reason we have John on the uh, the podcast is to talk me up a little bit for uh, any, uh, any would be challengers out there. Yeah, uh, that's uh, and we'll we'll be happy to attribute be calling you John to uh, confidence as opposed to a, a lack of respect. So that's a uh, yes, that's
1: right. I absolutely. I, I I insist. I I, I just. I just I I, just, I think all people are equal, and it bothers me when my a lot of people, a lot of parents, will disagree with me. Oh no, that's disrespect. But I just love it when my grandkids have the guts to call me John, and I try to encourage that. But I realize that I'm in the minority with that belief. But it just it just makes me feel good because I I, I love young people, and I just like. To consider myself, then the equal well. All right, well uh, enough of
0: that. <laughs> enough of that. Yeah, we we now we've definitely veered uh, into, yeah. into a non
1: a non uh, relevant topic. Um, we'll okay. we'll probably find ourselves erasing that part.
0: Yes, that it's it's possible that, that the okay. edit machine uh, may, uh, uh, may may do a little clicking through that uh, that section. Um, I guess just you know when it, you. Talked about uh, you know the changing nature of, of of sports certainly at the the collegiate level um, you know and, and sort of the the realities that exist there. I, I'm just kind of um, I guess I'm just sort of curious from a from a broad perspective. So we're talking you know wide lens um, sort of perspective. Um, what what are some of the sort of significant changes, and I, I think you've hit on some of these, but significant changes, you know, at any level of athletic competition that you've seen sort of during your time uh, as someone involved with athletics? Uh, well, any level.
1: If, okay, good. If, if someone wanted to go into uh, athletic administration, for instance, I would advise them not, which was to go to a physical education and uh, – Hygiene uh, undergraduate program, and then uh, do the same uh, program in, uh, in in graduate work mm-hmm. i would I would advise uh, the individual to go into marketing and promotions and sports management because the arena has changed. It used to be that people like myself were kicked upstairs after they retired from football coaching and then became the athletic director. And that's not the case anymore. The skill set is, is totally different, and athletic administration takes uh, a knack for fundraising and marketing and promotion and advertising. And the biggest change, if you look at the highest level of NCAA competition, which is Division I, which I would argue Division Three is in some ways from an educational point of view a higher level, But it's it's all about marketing, promotion, fundraising. The the main topic now is should athletes unionize? Northwestern has been allowed to vote as to whether they would unionize. Uh, It's as to should we pay the student athlete uh, based on the money that that individual is bringing into the university. And no one has answers to these questions. The landscape is going to be totally different five years from now than it is today, and in my opinion, um, often wrong, uh, it's going to lead to the destruction of intercollegiate athletics in Division I as we know it today. Uh, Once we start uh, paying the student-athletes and we give up the notion of integral to the educational process, uh, this is going to be bold and harsh and probably not appropriate for your office, but, Joel, between you and me, when we get to that point, we should take into collegiate athletics out of the uh, college experience and participate on a club level the way they do all around the world except in the United States. Because now you're taking the student totally out of the athlete. No longer can you talk about the student athlete once you start paying the athlete and expecting the athlete to perform at the highest level and expecting the athlete to win and expecting the athlete to bring money into the university. The whole landscape is going to change. And I've followed this one real closely. And even Mark Emmer at, uh, at the NCAA is being ruled by Congress over this issue right now is really lost for providing direction in my opinion and and leadership to the movement so things are going to be a hell of a lot different uh, five years from now than they are today you might you might see division one programs migrating to division three because uh, the marginal programs aren't going to have the money to pay the student athletes and they're not going to be able to compete because uh the institutions with the tremendous infrastructure and the tremendous revenue generating sports are going to just totally outclass them.
0: Yeah, no it's certainly uh there there's a lot uh, it, yeah, I, I think changing landscape is, is certainly uh, uh an apt way to put it and uh, I'm not sure anyone really knows how it's going to yeah. uh, how it's going to shake out and and what it might look like but it does seem that uh changes a foot uh at that yep. level uh one way or another we we'll
1: and 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 we and we as i as i follow this stuff i must say that i'm a little envious uh not being able to be a part of the new direction and we shouldn't fear change in the long run uh, change usually provides some benefits but i don't have a clue how it's going to end up and uh I don't think many people do.
0: Yeah, uh, shifting gears again. I, I had a question sort of before that I that I wanted to to ask you uh, again as a as a coach, uh, a former coach and a, a former administrator. You know, I think we've seen. Speaking of change, uh, you know, and and this goes back a little bit to the, to the sportsmanship discussion, but I think it's a little bit different. So I kind of want to get your perspective. And I've talked about this on our podcast before with some other folks, but uh, you know, I, I, we, we've reached a new, or I should say, we're in, I think in the process of changing expectation, sort of social and cultural expectation about coach behavior, Um, you know, and what's acceptable for a coach to have done and said 20 years ago, Maybe even ten years ago or five years ago, simply as a culture uh, has kind of been deemed unacceptable now, um, and I'm yep. sort of I'm curious on your, you know, I, I don't want to say position on that, but just sort of your take on, an, again, that area where it seems like change has occurred and it's occurred pretty rapidly. I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, 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 that that's that's very that's a very very provocative. Uh, line uh, the, the line of questioning that you're moving into uh, back when I was coaching in 1961 through 1981 um, coaches had an awful lot of Liberty uh, especially in the locker room and not many people can understand this uh, who haven't been involved in in Scholastic or collegiate sport, and that is that there's a bond there, that there's a mutual respect in an ideal situation. There's actually love among uh, the group, and the coach can be a lot more candid, could, no more, could be a lot more candid and take more risk with banging lockers and uh, singling out. Students for criticism and uh, yes using foul language and it all stayed within the locker room and uh, the ideal then was okay it stays in the locker room these bonds are formed but on the field uh, or on the court you you hopefully would demonstrate it wasn't always the case but you would demonstrate the mutual respect and the love and the bond that was really there. I think what I'm trying to say is you had more liberty with your student-athletes because you knew that there was a mutual respect and a bond there. Now, because our culture has turned, and I, I assume it's a good thing, to everything being politically correct, uh, those those uh, tactics, those Tactics to develop camaraderie and teamwork uh, can no longer fly, because because we have to be uh, politically correct, and we see it over and over and over again. I could I, I could give you numerous examples of things recently that have exploded and cost people their jobs and their reputations that uh, 40 years ago would have been totally acceptable. Mm-hmm. The transition, Joel, I think is a good one because we, we need to achieve and grow and succeed uh, with dignity and with mutual respect and with doing things in a politically correct way because oftentimes back then uh, we probably hurt people Uh, Unknowingly, yeah, and and developed scars that, in some cases, may not have healed. By, by, and I'm not talking about anything egregious, but I'm talking about, you know, maybe, maybe verbal abuse. Uh, Although I can't relate to it at all. uh, A bit of uh, physical abuse, a pat Mm -hmm. in the back of the head, or uh, a push or a shove, and you know, we we all can see the classic examples of, of when it was. Always wrong uh, uh, you know we all know of coaches who overstepped the bounds even way back in the in the sixties, but now the line has gotten much 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 more confined, and that's a good thing yeah because these are very these are very precious uh, things that we're dealing with we're dealing with the children uh of our generation, and there's nothing uh more precious than that. That, that. that's why I think the, the good part of the past was we we did know we did we were educated in the area of psychology, uh, human development, uh, first aid, and the me- medical aspects of sport. Today, uh, some of your administrators and your coaches are simply former great athletes, and so they need a staff that can complement them with these skills. Yeah, no. I hope I answered your question.
0: I think you did. No, I, I just I find it to be, I, it's personally a very interesting, um, you know. I, as we've said, I played, you know, at a at the high school level, um, but I, I just think it's interesting that, and you know, it, to me, it's an interesting situation where you have behavior that's really, you know. Other than maybe, you know, and I've talked to folks about this, I mean, I think other than maybe athletics and the military are really the only places where you have the sort of behavior that's mm-hmm. condoned when mm-hmm. in those, you know, venues that wouldn't be permitted in any other venue. Yep. Um, yep. You know, forge, forge, I, to me, that yeah. says that maybe those venues are the ones that are inappropriate, not yep. the others, you know, but that's yep. again, uh, you know, I have no coaching perspective on that. It just, you know, that's how it how it appears to me. So I, I think it's an interesting discussion.
1: Young, young people, uh, I, I want to focus on, on, on the one thing you said. Uh, I think less and less and less, and I think you'll agree with me, is condoned. And, mm-hmm. and we see examples of it every day where, where uh, coaches are outed because of uh, bad behavior. But uh, the one thing I think we really have to understand is the youth in general come to us very pure, and and uh, for a coach in that in with all the authority that a coach has uh, it it's it's criminal to erode that purity sure it's it's more important it's more important to develop it and maintain it and and you and Curtis and I have had discussions about this all the time uh it's it's normally the coach if anybody who uh corrupts the situation uh, certainly, before the athlete would. Yeah. No, I. I think so you're... we we have a burden.
0: Yes, I think that's that's an excellent, and I know you've said that before, and I I, I, I always appreciate that that the coach has a, a responsibility and, and a burden, as you say, to uh, to uh, protect that uh, yep. that uh, that mutual respect, as you say, and yep. uh, yeah. So um, I think that is uh, that is the end of my uh, line of questioning, John. So you have done. Uh, You've done remarkably well, and it's—I—I uh, I, uh, I love uh, having the chance to uh, to chat with you about this stuff. It's a—it's uh, a little bit of a, a throwback for me, so I, I'm very happy.
1: And I with you, and uh, any time
0: my sincere thanks to john reeves for taking the time for that lengthy conversation hope you folks enjoyed it as i said again just a little something different this time here in the uh, the summer months as uh things are a little bit quiet certainly we'll start to ramp up again in the next few weeks as we uh we flip the calendar to august and start looking ahead to the start of the fall sports season but uh thought you would enjoy that conversation i was able to have with john reeves and uh Really hope that uh, it was something that you folks did enjoy and get something from. Uh, with that, we wrap it up for this edition of the CIAC cast. As always, again, check us out on Twitter at CIAC Sports. That is where we will let you know any of the new and interesting information going on out there, as well as ciacsports.com, facebook.com slash ciacsports. And you can also email me at ciaccast at c-a-s-c-i-a-c dot org. So be sure to take advantage of that as well. We'd love to hear from you. love to hear any thoughts you might have about anything and uh, possible topics for the Cast, possible folks to chat with anything that's on your mind regarding the CIAC cast. So I think we're going to just sneak this in under the one-hour wire here, and hope you enjoyed this edition of the CIAC cast. Once again, I'm Joel Cookson. Thank you for being with us. We'll see you next time here on the CIAC cast.